I love the power of that song. Oh, Holy Spirit, come. Come in power. Come in authority. Come search our hearts, O oh Lord. Know our anxious thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in us. Purify us. Lead us to life everlasting. I want to kick off this first Sunday in the new year with something called perspective. I want to begin today with each of you putting yourself in this scene as, as you look into this coming year. God has blessed you with another year, 2020, and as crazy as maybe that year was to the world we live in, now we stand in a new calendar, a new year. And this is you, and you're looking out, and this is me, and we're, we're looking out into the future. What do you see? Are you anxious? Are you fearful? I've got, somebody asked me about uh, a week ago, what's my word? What, what do I have a word for 2021? And I immediately, and I hadn't really given it any thought before, but immediately out of me came the word expectancy. So my word for 2021 is expectancy. I am expecting something. I am. What is that something? Something good. I'm expectant. So today we talk about this word perspective. My perspective is expectancy. It's how you look at things. How you look at 2021, whether you've told anybody or not, is your perspective. I looked up the word in the Webster's Dictionary, and here's what it says in Webster's. A particular attitude toward a way or regarding something, a point of view. We all have perspective. If you're alive and breathing, you have a perspective. You have a point of view, not just about something, you have a point of view about everything. Everybody does have a point of view about everything. Some of those perspectives matter, and some of them don't matter at all. Some of them are valuable and are treasure, how we view certain things. Some are just whatever. Let me, let me give you an example. There's been a lot of talk in the last few weeks about this uh, stimulus whether it should be $600 or $2,000. Now, now, let me just tell you, it really doesn't matter what you think. Because they're going to do what they're going to do, and all of our perspectives added together will not amount to anything. My granddaddy used to have this phrase. My grandma and granddaddy both said it. It has, um, what does that have to do with the price of eggs in China? Anybody ever hear that one? I'm like, eggs in China? It's perspective. It's the idea that there are some things in our perspective, in our point of view, that aren't going to amount to a hill of beans, a hill of anything. It's not, it doesn't matter what your perspective is. But there are other things in which our perspective is crucial. How we see some things is crucial. How we see other things is uh, whatever. The church, listen. Has a perspective. 
You need to understand when you come in here, the church has a perspective. There's a way we see life. There's a way we see the world. There's a way I, we see 2021. I have a perspective, a point of view. And the unbelieving world has a perspective. And I think we'd all do better entering 2021 with this uh, truth our perspective, the church perspective, and the world's perspective are different. They're not going to see the world in which we live in the same set of eyes. It's different. That's why Jesus told us. I'm going to read to you Matthew 10, 22. It's the foundation for today's message. And some of you are going to be a little surprised by this as the foundation, but you'll get it toward the end. Jesus looks at the church and he says, all the nations of the world, now notice the word nations, that means the planet, the inhabitants of earth, all the nations are going to hate you because you're my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. Perspective is a serious issue. Jesus is telling us, and we need to understand, we need to come to grips with this, that the perspective of Christianity, the perspective of the church, will put you at odds with the perspective of the world. And that perspective will cause the world to hate the church. In fact, perspectives, bring it down to a smaller level, cause people to hate each other all the time. If you look at the current political climate in America, Democrats and Republicans, you would come to the conclusion they hate each other. Right? There's no other way to explain it. There's hatred. Our political situation is in absolute chaos. It's like this hatred toward each other. Points of view and perspective has called, caused world wars. How you see things is serious. Some things don't amount to anything, but some things can cause world wars or family wars. They divide nations. They divide countries and peoples. Jesus tells us that his followers, that's us, will be hated by those who have a different perspective than us. Have you ever thought of it like that? Because that's simply what he's saying. Those who don't see the world like we see the world will not just coexist with us in peace and harmony. There will be a form of hatred that will come out of it. Why? Have you ever thought about it? Because in reality, if we're right and they're wrong, then our right proves they're wrong. And when's the last time you enjoyed being told you were wrong? There's a hatred. One of us is wrong. One of us is right. But Jesus says something that we need to come to grips with. But in this battle of perspectives, in this world in which points of view will not coexist peacefully, he who endures to the end will be saved. Well, what if you don't? Well, then you'll be lost. Everyone who refused to yield to the world's perspective 
Everyone who refuses to yield to the world's perspective will be hated by the world. Giving up the perspective of a believer will cost you everything. This is not about stimulus, and this is not about the price of eggs in China. This is not about your opinion of the U.S. space program. You know, there are some things that we might just disagree. We have a different point of view on, and that's okay. That's fine. That's fine. But there are some things that are critical, and they are eternal, and they, they go beyond this world, beyond this life. And on those things, Jesus says that there will be two groups with two perspectives, and the world's going to hate those who hold to the perspective of Christianity, but whoever endures to the end, whoever refuses to yield their perspective of truth to the world, they'll be saved. That's serious. So I call this the battle for perspective. The battle for how we see things, the battle for how we see the world, the battle for my point of view, your point of view. So let me give you a brief example of perspective. I think I need to do this to, to make everybody understands where I'm going. So I just, just off the top of my head, wrote down three perspectives of Terry Cooper. Just three perspectives that I hold. Things that, how I see the world, how I see life itself. Just to give you an example, here's, here's, here's four of them. Number one, I see, this is my perspective, I see all of life as a gift from God. As a gift from the creator, the sustainer from the righteous judge that I will one day stand in front of. That's my perspective. When I look into 2021, when I look into the future, that's, that's who I am. That's my, that affects how I live my life. Number two, I see, this is my perspective, the primary purpose of my life is to live in a way that brings glory and honor to God, the one in which I'm going to stand in front of on the last day. That's my perspective. It's how I see life. It's how I live life. Number three, I see, this is my perspective, this current life as temporary and a great test. A test in which God has given me an opportunity to express free will to some degree and decide whom I will put my trust and faith in in this very temporary life. And who I put my trust in will determine my eternity. But that's my perspective. That's how I see things. Number four, I see, this is my perspective, Jesus as the answer to everything. You can't come up with a question that he's not the answer to. That's how I see life. He is the answer to everything, everywhere, all the time. His name is I am. And go ahead and find a question that I am doesn't answer. You'll run out of time. Now that's four brief descriptions, just a summarization of my perspective. It's how I see life. My personal, and you've got one, it's my personal point of view. We all have one, and that's a brief 
summary of mine, and those of you who know me personally know this, I'm not pretending. That's really who I am. That is really how I see life. So now let me do something. Let me contrast my perspective as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus Christ, to the unbelieving world. And I'm going to use generalities, but stay with me. I want to contrast my perspective to the perspective of an unbeliever using the same four points. Same four points. Number one, the world's perspective as an unbeliever, the world's perspective is that everything is the result of chance random processes. No creator and no judge. You came from nothing and you're going toward nothing. Wow, what a different perspective. What a different way to see life. Number two, the world's perspective is the purpose of life, the meaning and purpose of life. Why am I here? Is eat, drink, and be merry, accumulate wealth and possessions, for tomorrow you die. Wow, what a different perspective. We don't see the world in the same set of eyes. In fact, when the world goes to a graveyard of a deceased loved one and looks at the tombstone and looks at the mound of dirt, what the world, the unbelieving world sees is, there's my loved one. But when I go to the graveyard, then I go to the tombstone and I see that pile of dirt, I say, they're not there. They're not there. That's the tent that we folded up and put away, waiting for the resurrection of the last day. They're not there. Do you see what a difference this perspective is? How you see life? How you look into the future? Number three, the world's perspective is this is all there is and there ain't no more. You live for today. There's no resurrection. This is it. Eat, drink, and be merry. For tomorrow we die. Finally, number four, the world's perspective is that Jesus is a historical figure that weak-minded people lean on to help them through their miserable and hopeless lives. Wow, what a difference. Do you understand? Can you understand why Jesus would, would say, and all the nations will hate you because you're my followers, because you have this perspective on life. But he who endures to the end, you'll be saved. Well, why would they hate me for that? Because if, if they see what I hold to be true, if they possibly allow in their mind that it is true, then they are lost and they are wrong. And when's the last time you enjoyed being lost and being wrong? Creates a form of hatred. Do you see it? Everyone has a perspective, a point of view about everything, how we see the world. Some of these perspectives matter little. I get it. And some matter a lot, even into eternity beyond this life. All of that was to show that the believers and the unbelievers' perspectives are different. How we see the world and how we see life determines, listen, how we see the world and how we see life, the meaning and purpose of life, determines how you lived your life this past week. 
It determines how you'll live your life this week. Yes, it will. But what about, that's the contrast between the unbelieving world and the believing world. So let's come in here. What about the church? What about the church, inside the church? If I look around the room today, do we all agree on everything? <laughs> Just bring up masks. <laughs> you want to stir them up, preacher? Just bring up masks. Do we all agree on the stimulus? Should we get 600? Should we get 2,000? One thing we can agree on, I bet you all cash the check either way. <laughs> so the question is this. What about in the church? What about when the church, people inside the body of Christ, have a different perspective? Because everybody's got a perspective. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a point of view on everything. How in the world can we all get along as the body of Christ? How's that work? Knowing that we all have different perspectives, different views of life itself. So what does the Bible tell us? I believe what I hold in my hand is the only physical source of absolute truth on this planet. This is it. I'm willing to bet my eternal soul on that sentence. I'll ask you, are you willing to bet your eternal soul against it? And here's what the word of truth says in Ephesians 4.3. He's talking to the church in Ephesus. He's talking to the church at Nineveh. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. What is the uniter of the room today? Huh? It's not me. What is the uniter in the room today? Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place, fill the atmosphere. He's the one who unites us. All of these perspectives, all of these opinions, all of these different backgrounds, and yet we all assemble and worship a common name, a common truth. How? The Holy Spirit. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together in peace. How? The Holy Spirit. When you, we come together, you know what we're doing? We don't even think about it, but you know what we're doing? We're allowing the Holy Spirit to shape our perspective. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to use the Word of God to shape our worldview, how we see the meaning and purpose of life. The reality is this. Each, is a, each of us has a different perspective on just about everything, and there's no way we can come together in peace, this many people, without the unifying power of the Holy Spirit. Only by the Spirit can any church survive itself. You know why? Too many perspectives, too many opinions, too many different people with too many different backgrounds. But the Holy Spirit has the power to do something. The Holy Spirit gives us. When He comes, He gives us. Listen, it's important. When He comes, He changes my perspective. I don't see like I used to see. He changes my perspective, the way I see things. Even though we in the room today are all quite different from one another, the Holy Spirit is the unifier that brings us to a unique and common perspective. There is no church, listen, there is no church without the Holy Spirit. It's a club. Apart from the Holy Spirit, it's not a church. 
And we have no unity or singleness of purpose without the Spirit. Why? Why would I say that? Because we all have unique and different perspectives, even as Christians. But the Spirit does something. Here's the foundation for today. The Spirit does something when He comes. The Spirit gives us the ability and the power to accept each other's differences on things that don't really matter, like the price of eggs in China. I will say it again. The Spirit gives us the power to accept each other's differences for what they are. They really just don't matter. I'm not going to argue with you about those things that do not matter. I'll just accept that we agree to disagree. It's okay. It's okay. It doesn't matter. But that same Holy Spirit, listen, 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 that same Holy Spirit will bring us into unity on the things that do matter. Those things that bind us together in truth and the love of God. Why would I come to that conclusion? Well, I want to read it to you. It's found in Colossians 3, verse 13. Again, the Apostle Paul, under the Holy Spirit, writing to the church, says, make allowances for each other's faults. You know what that's saying? Make allowance that each of us don't see things the same way. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Now look around, just take your eyes, look around the room. Love through the Holy Spirit has bound us together. Nothing else can do it. No one else can do it. Verse 15. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, we're all one body. You're all called to live in peace and always be thankful. And I'm going to tell you, I read that and that is good counsel for this new year. About the things that, you know what, we can just agree to disagree on. About the stimulus, about the price of eggs in China, about your opinion about the space program. I don't care about the space program, except that one day I'm going to go through the space to get to my Lord. That's the only space program I'm concerned with. It's okay if there, there are some things that you and I are going to have different perspective about, and it is perfectly fine with me. But here's the question. What about the things of truth? What about the things that Jesus says, and all the nations of the earth will hate you because you are my followers, but the one who endures to the end will be saved? What about those things? What about those things? Perspective. Do you see the world in the same way as the unbelieving world? No. So don't be surprised when the unbelieving world looks at you and I funny or with hatred. It is this simple. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Unnegotiable without surrender or compromise, power of God. And he who endures to the end, holding to these truths, will be saved. Is it all that simple, preacher? Is everything 
black and white. Can't we just all get along? No, no. I, I wish I could say yes, but the truth is no. Why? Why? This is really important, so please listen. Can't we just coexist in peace with different perspectives on the truth of God's Word? No, it won't work. Why? If somebody asks you the question, why? I'm going to answer it based on Scripture, not my opinion. Because there is a deceiver of great power named Satan. And I'm going to ask you a question. Does Satan have a perspective? Does he have a point of view? Does Satan have the power to influence or change a person's perspective by his presence? Now listen, this might be one of the biggest questions I ask today. Does Satan have the power to influence a person, you or I, just by his presence? Now, now, before you answer that, listen carefully. Does the Holy Spirit have the power to influence a person by His presence? Yes. We've just been talking about that, right? So, if the Holy Spirit has the power to influence a person by His presence, isn't it possible that the unholy spirit of Satan can do the same thing in reverse? That he also can influence as well as the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit can influence and determine our perspective, what about the unholy spirit? And let me call it what it is, what the Apostle John calls it. What about the unholy spirit of Antichrist? And why do you think he's called Antichrist? Do you think he's going to bring us to oneness in Christ or bring us to oneness in Antichrist? Do you believe... There is a powerful spirit. And the reason I make such a big deal out of this is I stand and watch the American church who says with their mouth they believe the Word of God to be true, but deny the authority of Scripture. Here's why I say it. Do you believe there is a powerful spirit of Antichrist at work today? Giving people an Antichrist perspective. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. I believe there are competing spirits on the world today, on the earth today, competing spirits. The spirit of Christ, the spirit of Antichrist, the spirit of Satan, the spirit of Christ himself, the truth and the liar, the holy and the unholy. And there's only two spirits at work on the earth, good and evil, light and dark. God and his adversary, Satan. The word Satan means adversary. So what do I base that on? Some of you are going to be shocked when I tell you this next scripture application. In 1 John chapter 2, the apostle John writes a letter. And here's what he says in the letter about the spirit of Antichrist. Dear children, the last hour is here. Now, now, before I read the rest, I want you to understand, you're in the last hour. 
In fact, you're in the last seconds of the last minute of the last hour. I don't know how long this thing lasts, but I can tell you this. The last hour that John talks about began with the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ and the beginning of the church and the coming of the Holy Spirit. And coming of the Holy Spirit also brought the coming of the spirit of Antichrist. You don't read about the spirit of Antichrist in the Old Testament. Satan is in the Old Testament, the spirit of Antichrist. You didn't need to oppose the Christ in the Old Testament. He had not yet come, but he had come. And the spirit of Antichrist also comes in power to try to take away what the Holy Spirit does. The spirit of Antichrist tries to undo. And here's John. Listen to what he says. Dear children, the last hour is here. You have heard that the Antichrist, that's the person, is coming. And already many such antichrists, plural, have appeared. For this we know, this is how we know that the last hour has come. How do we know? How do we know the last hour is here? The spirit of antichrist. But there's more to it than that. Verse 19. These people left our churches. What? He's just talked about the last hour and the spirit of Antichrist that has come in the last hour. And then he says, these people left our churches, but they never really belonged with us. Otherwise, they would have stayed with us. And when they left, it proved that they did not belong to us. Do, do you see something here? In this case, the Apostle John connects people abandoning their faith. They have left our churches. What caused them to abandon their faith? What caused them to leave the churches? The spirit of Antichrist. What did the spirit of Antichrist do to them? He changed their perspective. He changed how they saw the world. He changed their way they see things. When they left... It proved they did not belong with us. Now, I got to tell you, when I read that, and we've just come through 10 months of pandemic, that gets my attention. You know why? Because I'm reading national statistics of the American church, national statistics of the American church. Most of the churches in America are happy right now if they have recovered 30% of their flock. Many have left the church. Now, we've been more fortunate. Back, we've reached up in the 70% and since fell back down a little below that. But where's everybody going? It's 10 months, 11 months. Where's everybody going? I didn't, John did, connected the spirit of Antichrist and people leaving the church in the last hour in two verses. What do you think it means? Any application? The Word of God is alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It rightly divides heart, joint, marrow, truth, lies. It tells you stuff. What's happening? They, they, the spirit of Antichrist changed the way people think. They start thinking like the world. And what's the world think? Well, you can't go to church. You'll die. You'll all die. You can go to Walmart. That's okay. Don't die there. But you can't go to church. You'll die. We live in the church age. 
We live in the time of competing perspectives. It's how we see life. And the world sees life one way, and the church sees life in another way. And they do not match. They are not the same. And Jesus says, people are going to hate you if you hold to this worldview of Christianity. If you go to church, you're going you're to cause people to die. We live in the church age, and we live in a time of competing perspectives. The perspective of the Holy Spirit and the perspective of the unholy spirit of Antichrist. In 1 John chapter 4, I'm reading from the same letter that I just read to you from the Apostle John. I'm just moving to chapter 4. He says this, Dear friends, do not believe everyone who claims to be led by the Spirit or speak by the Spirit. You must test them to see if the Spirit they have comes from God. There's a liar out there. There's a competing spirit. There's a spirit of Antichrist. And in the beginning of John's letter, he says he causes people to leave church. What? Start thinking like the world. For they are, there are many false prophets in the world. This is how we know if they have the Spirit of God. If a person claims to be a prophet, if a person claiming to be a prophet acknowledges that Jesus Christ came in a real body, that person has the Spirit of God. But if someone claims to be a prophet and does not acknowledge the truth about Jesus, that person is not from God. So how do you have these two different categories? Where's that come from? There's some acknowledging Jesus to be truth. There's some acknowledging, they refuse to acknowledge Jesus as truth. One is the spirit of Antichrist and one is the spirit of Christ. One is truth, one is a lie. There's two groups. Do you understand that? They are in competition with each other. Such a person... Such a person refusing to acknowledge the truth of Christ, such a person has the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard is coming into the world, and indeed, it's already here. He's already here in the spirit. The unholy spirit of Satan is here now, creating, competing perspectives. Yes, let me make something clear. The man Antichrist, he will be a man. Singular. The Antichrist person is coming, but the spirit of Antichrist has been here since the time of Christ our Lord. And it's called the last hour. It's the last hour. It's the last pages of human history. And we've got to be getting near the very end of the last pages. I've given you all of this perspective and this background so that I can do this today. I want to give you two perspective examples. These two actual Jesus encounter perspectives are powerful examples of the Holy Spirit and the unholy spirit of Antichrist. I'm going to give you real life examples from Jesus' encounters. One represents the Holy Spirit. The other is the spirit of Antichrist. Both are found in the Gospels. And they reveal a totally different perspective as to how a person sees life 
pursues life and the meaning of life in the last hours. And you and I are in the last hour, so I encourage you, please pay attention to the two perspectives. Both are direct and personal encounters with Jesus Christ, which, by the way, you are also having today through the Word and the Spirit. Here we go. Example number one. And this first one, I need to tell you up front, this one reveals the spirit of Antichrist. It's found in Matthew 10, 17. As Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, knelt down and asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love. Now, I'm moved by that. I am moved by that sentence. Looking at this guy, Jesus felt genuine love for him. And he said, love speaks the truth. And he looks at this guy and says, there is still one thing you lack. One thing you haven't done. What speaks this word? Love. There's still one thing you haven't done. Go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you'll have treasure. You'll have treasure. You'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this the man's face fell and he went away very sad for he had many possessions. What is this young man's perspective? How does he see his life and how does he see the world? Can you answer the question by this scene? This young man wants eternal life. Everybody notice that? He approached Jesus on his knees and says, what must I do to have eternal life? He wants eternal life. He doesn't want to die. I don't know anybody that wants to die. Do you? The issue is perspective. Jesus is revealing to this young man what the Holy Spirit is revealing to us in this room right now. It's the same message. It's what the Holy Spirit's been revealing since the church began in the last hour of humanity. You know what it is? A way to see life. The Holy Spirit reveals a way to see, view life. It's called perspective. It's how I, it's how you, it's how this rich young ruler views life. This young man saw the value of life. That's why he comes to Jesus on his knees and says, what do I need to do to have eternal life? He sees the value of life. He gets it, right? I don't want to die. But this young man had a perspective problem. This is... There is a competing spirit at work in this thing. Do you see it? There's a competing spirit. The competing spirit of idolatry. The competing spirit 
of wealth has blurred this young man's vision and his perspective is now out of focus. He can't see clearly. Jesus, the very source of life itself, has just opened up a doorway of truth to this young man. And this man does what? He walks away sad? Jesus is the answer to his question. What must I do to have eternal life? Jesus says, you've got an idol that's standing between me and you. There's something between me and you. There's something you've counted of more value, more worth than me. Between me and you. Move that out and you've got eternal life. Move it. There's a competing perspective. He's seeing things like the world sees it. But I need that. But I want that. I like that. But you like it more than me. It's got to go. You can have no other gods between me and you. There can't be anything that stands of greater value between me and you, and there's something there. Jesus can see it. He saw worldly wealth as greater value than the truth of God's Word. Let's make it clear. This young man's perspective valued worldly wealth and possessions over the offer of truth from Jesus Christ. Because what Jesus offered him is this. If you'll set aside the thing that you have placed too much worth and value on and put me in that place... You'll have treasure in heaven forever. And he walks away saying, Why? He couldn't see. He had taken the perspective of the world instead of the perspective of the Holy Spirit. If you're willing to allow me, Jesus is saying, if you're willing to allow me to change your perspective by my presence in your life, You will follow me into eternal life in the kingdom of heaven. But you must allow me to transform your thinking. And my Holy Spirit specializes in that. He changes how you think and see things. And what happened? He walked away. Unable or unwilling to change his perspective as to how he sees life. Refusing this, this young man refused to allow the Holy Spirit to change his perspective. And I want to make it clear so everybody understands me. This young man is lost. This young man is bound for hell. Do you understand? He is bound for hell because he rejected the perspective-changing power of the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. And by rejecting the Holy Spirit, by default, he has bowed his knee to the spirit of Antichrist. Because there is only two spirits. Before I move on to the second example from the Gospel of Luke, I must tell you that the Holy Spirit of truth, the same Holy Spirit of truth is here today in this room right now. Offering all of us a supernatural perspective. And yes, we are also deeply into the last hour. This next scene with Jesus, you probably heard about as a child if you were blessed to have parents that took you to church. But I wonder if you ever connected the story of Zacchaeus to the one I just read. 
because they are connected and they are contrasting perspectives. Perspective. Zacchaeus also had a perspective, and I need to tell you before I read it, he was also, like the first story, very rich. Luke 19, verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest at your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and great joy, but the people were displeased. He has gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, talking about a contrasting perspective, here it comes. I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And Jesus looks at this Zacchaeus guy and he says this, salvation has come to your home today. Can I just pause in the story and ask you a question? What do you think the value of that sentence is? Salvation has come to your home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Perspective and competing spirits. Zacchaeus has encountered the spirit of truth, and everything about how he sees life is about to change. He has encountered the spirit of truth. He encountered Jesus. Not a little bit of change, but a total change in his perspective. In fact, Zacchaeus will never see life the same way again. Why? Listen carefully. Zacchaeus saw what the first guy couldn't see, the value of Jesus. The worth of Jesus. That in itself transformed his perspective. How he sees life. Zacchaeus saw what the rich young ruler couldn't see. They had opposing perspective based on competing spirits. The spirit of Antichrist that tells the world how to see life and the Spirit of Christ that tells the church how to see Christ. The value of Jesus is perspective. It's how you see life and the stuff of this life, wealth, possessions. Do you know what a radical change in perspective looks like? I want to read it to you. I want to repeat verse 8 in the Zacchaeus story. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. Lord, and if I've cheated people in their, of their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. He's not trying to negotiate how much he's going to give away. He sees the value of Jesus. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make things right. The value of knowing Jesus is perspective. Zacchaeus met Jesus in person. 
And a lot of people right now would say, well, you know what? If I could just meet Jesus in person, it'd probably do that to me. Really? Because I'm going to tell you today, you have encountered Jesus through the word and through the spirit. And let's see what it does to you. Let's see. Let's just see what it does to you. The Spirit and the Word reveal that Jesus is more valuable than wealth and possessions. Knowing the truth and receiving the truth is more valuable than money or position. Zacchaeus got it. He says, I'll give back four times, four times as much as I took. Truth will set you free, and Zacchaeus is being set free. Zacchaeus is having his perspective changed by the truth, and the truth has a name, Jesus. The Holy Spirit's still doing that today, just like then. The unholy spirit of Antichrist is also here today, opposing the truth, opposing perspective. One sees the value of Jesus over everything else, and the other can't take their eyes off of the temporary stuff of this dying world. So let's stop for a moment and listen and focus on these words of Jesus to Zacchaeus that day, verse 9 and 10. Jesus responded, salvation has come to your home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came, why? To seek and to save those who are lost. So what's that worth? I'm asking you individually and as a church, what's that worth? What are those words of Jesus worth to you today? How much value do you place on those words? Will you turn and walk away sad under the influence of the spirit of Antichrist? Or will you allow the Holy Spirit to radically transform your perspective today? For the Son of Man came to change your perspective. He came to seek and to save those who are lost. Two stories. I've read you two stories of great contrast. Two stories that represent a contrast of perspective by competing spirits. Both men were confronted by truth, the person of Christ. How do you see life today? If this is you and you're looking into the future, present and future, how do you see life today? How do you see this present world that we live in? What is your perspective? Which one of these two stories, the rich young ruler, Zacchaeus, which one of these two stories best represents your life? Which one? This is not about money. It's not about possessions. It's about idolatry. And America has fallen into idolatry. And if you tell people in idolatry they're in idolatry, they will hate you. So I'm not doing this to be popular. America has fallen into idolatry. In fact, in the New Testament, idolatry is called covetousness, an insatiable desire for things. Things. And it's not about the things. 
It's not about the money. It's not about the possessions. It's about the place they have taken in your life. It's about the position they hold between you, the value that you've placed on them, and the value placed on Jesus, which again has been revealed in 10 months of pandemic, how you've responded. Because I'm convinced that this entire pandemic was from God to at least allowed by God to call people to repentance. And it's not. It's not. In fact, if anything, the spirit of Antichrist has triumphed for the most part in the past 10 months. This is not about money, possessions. It's about truth and the value you place on Jesus. The value you place on Jesus. What's he worth to you? What would it profit a man if he gained the whole world? And you forfeit or you lost your soul. What would you give in exchange for your soul? And if you try to hang on to this life, you're going to lose this life. But if you lose your life for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Christ, you will gain your life. This is about seeing the value of Jesus, the value of knowing him and becoming like him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Only the Spirit of Christ can change our perspective, and the Spirit of Antichrist wants you to resist the Spirit of truth today. And yes, time is running out, and yes, we are in the last hour. I'm going to tell you today, listen carefully. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, Today, right now, if you do not know for a fact that you have the Holy Spirit today, then you have the unholy spirit of Antichrist. No one is neutral. There is no one neutral. Either you are saved or you're lost. There's no third category. Saved and lost. So let me summarize and wrap up today. The Apostle Paul. There was a time he was a Zacchaeus. There was a time in the Apostle Paul's life when he couldn't see the value of Jesus. There was a time when he couldn't see the value of knowing Christ. No, he opposed. He was actually opposed to this Jesus movement until he had his Zacchaeus moment on the road to Damascus. Paul, after encountering the spirit of truth, after encountering Christ... Paul left everything behind when he saw the value of Jesus. The Holy Spirit came into Paul's life, and he was radically transformed. And he left behind his old life. And here's the point I want to make. I understand how hard it is to leave the old life. I understand the lure of wealth. I understand the lure of power and possession and material things that seemingly give you safety. I understand how hard it is to turn away from those. I understand. But I also understand what happens if you refuse. You become this rich young ruler who walks away sad. He's lost. He's lost. He's heading for hell. The Apostle Paul leaves everything behind, everything. His entire perspective on life is changed. Paul understood 
how hard it is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But he also understood that the power of Christ can and does do that work. Paul didn't have to guess. He didn't have to guess what was coming next when he was called Jesus told him how much it was going to cost up front. In fact, I wish I could stop without having to read this part, but the Holy Spirit won't let me. So I'm going to tell you, understand this. In Acts 9, 15, the apostle Paul finds out what it's going to cost to put Jesus in his proper place in his life. Verse 15, but the Lord said, he's talking to Ananias, who's going to carry this message to Saul. Go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as the people of Israel. And I, Jesus, will show him, Paul, how much he must suffer for my namesake. Why must Paul suffer? Church, why must Paul suffer? Why would this be the cost of following Jesus? Because Paul's perspective will be radically different from the world that is under the spirit of Antichrist. And nothing in that category has changed. Because to follow Christ will automatically mean you are in opposition to the world because the world has rejected Christ. And if they rejected Christ, they will reject you because he has come inside of you. Then they will reject you. We wish this wasn't true. I wish it wasn't true. But I understand what truth is. I go back to the original scripture I started with today when Jesus says this in Matthew 10. And all the nations will hate you. Why? Because they hated me. And now I live in you. All the nations will hate you because you're my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. You and I are here today because of the message of the Apostle Paul to the Gentiles preached in the power of the Holy Spirit after the Holy Spirit changed his perspective. God used Paul to change the world. And we are beneficiaries of what a wonderful perspective change can do to a person's life. And yes, Paul did suffer. But I'd like to read to you in closing today what Paul wrote near the end of his life. This is what God's perspective gives you, even in the valley of the shadow of death. This is what I'm going to read to you is what God gives you, even when you're in a pandemic and there's political chaos and we don't know what's going to happen with this election and presidency and world wars, sicknesses and a new variant of this COVID and whether you're going to be in masks. What's going to happen to the vaccine? Is it evil? Is it good? What's going to happen? What's your perspective? Philippians 3.10. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. What? I want to suffer with him sharing in his death. So that one way or another, either through the grave or through that trumpet in the sky. One way or the other, I will experience the resurrection of the dead. And I'm going to look you in the eye today and tell you, if you do not experience the resurrection of the dead, you will 
forever be lost. And the grave will take you and it will never let you go. Today, the Holy Spirit and the Word have revealed the value of Jesus. None of us knows what's going to happen in 2021, but I believe, and I need to tell you, I believe there will be much opposition to the Christian perspective in this new year. And I hear the words of Jesus to his church today, and everyone who endures to the end will be saved. There are some things we can agree to disagree on. This is not one of them. This is not for sale. This is not for negotiation. This is what separates us from the world. This is what separates us from the spirit of Antichrist. This is what the spirit of Antichrist wants us to lay down. This. But if you yield the name and the word, you have bowed your knee to one who will not save you. You will follow him into destruction where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Today, what is your perspective? Will you, like the rich young ruler, walk away sad from this service today? I'll ask Chad to come on down. That rich young ruler had been told exactly how to enter the kingdom of heaven. You got something in the way. Move it. Move it. Set it aside. Something's taking my place. Set it aside. He wouldn't do it. He walked away sad. Is that you? You walk out of here today sad. Or like Zacchaeus, you'll jump out of that sycamore fig tree. You jump out of that. He's a short guy. That hurt. You jump out of that sycamore fig tree and you run to Jesus because salvation has come to my house today. There's going to come a time in your life you're going to have to figure out whether you believe this or not. Yeah, are these the words of life? Are they the words of truth? Does God really separate the sheep and the goats on the last day? Is this real? Is there a heaven? Is there a hell? Is there a truth and is there a lie? Is there a Holy Spirit and an unholy spirit? And does the Antichrist in the last days deceiving people, leaving churches, leaving faith? You got to figure out what you believe, what's your perspective, how you see life, how you live life. So we're going to sing a song. If you're in the room today and the Holy Spirit's convicting you to do something, you better answer him. The answer is yes, Lord. And if you're in the room today and you're saved and today you rejoice in that salvation, sing the song as a song of rejoicing. Let's stand together. The invitation's open.